What's up, girl? He stood me up again. Again? Mm-hmm. Well, what's up with this guy? Do you really like him that much? Yes, honey, I love him. He is fine. He does a lot of nice things for me. I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? Hello and welcome to the Deserve Podcast. I believe this is the Deserve Podcast. My name is Pat Charles Ivanella, managing editor of Deserve Magazine. And and guys, I, I got to ask, what's with the new change and the new intro? What's going on here today? Well, it's not necessarily new intro, but it's uh, I think it's appropriate. Um, well, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I it's interesting. The amount of people I get to talk to every day, I've done four really good calls today. Great calls. So a couple of them were a second time or even a, a one guy is the third time I talked to him and a couple first time people I talk. And the interesting thing is, you know, we, we're talking to people that have in general, uh, our baby boomers are, are carrying about a million bucks in their in their retirement accounts. And and obviously the gentleman I was just on with, he's even more than I think four or five million dollars. And it's it's so interesting that they have these relationships, right? They they seem like they're so guarded of that guy. You know, that guy, that fidelity guy or that Vanguard, oh, okay. or that I Fisher guy. Going. And and I keep asking them, you know, it's amazing that you're so you're so connected. Tell me more about what you've done. You know, what what'd you do in the last couple of days? What have you done lately? Right. So I found it interesting because I've got a, a person, a special guest on today's call. He's actually partners uh, with Clint, who does our, our Clint intro, which I, I I sandbagged Clint today to take advantage of, of having Michael's availability. So I have Michael Manser coming on the call on the podcast today, and I have something that I want him to talk about because I'm trying to raise the bar. I'm, I'm kind of getting frustrated listening to people who have all their eggs in one basket. And I'm not talking about how they invest their money. I'm talking about who they rely on. Oh. And I'm not seeing the level of service that I expect and that we have in our network. So I want to start demonstrating that. So what have you done for me lately? So Michael Manser, what have you done lately for your clients? I'd like to talk to you about quadrants and how... ORG partners under your supervision is uh, taking service to a whole new level. How you doing, Michael? Doing great. Thank you for having me today. Tough, uh, Clint's a tough act to follow. <laughs> I hope I can uh, keep up to some extent. Well, I, I've I've known you a little while now. I know you can handle your own. So, I want to talk a little bit about this this concept here. Is you know what what is it that that you're doing differently that helps your clients be more in the know than some of the people that I'm talking to. How do how do you keep people knowing about their money? Tell me a little bit about quadrants, and then of course I want to talk about the one that we're in right now. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we do. Uh, look, our belief is most wealth managers uh, focus on one discipline, which is growth. And you talk to Clint. Uh, you know how uh, brilliant Clint is, and he does an amazing job on the growth side. Clint runs our investment team. We've got multiple CFAs supporting him. Um, but we feel like growth is just one aspect of the equation. In our view, a great advisor is serving as a family CFO. So not only are we looking at growth of assets, we're looking at cash flow off those assets. That's quarter one. Quarter two, we focus on risk management. Most ultra high net worth clients that I deal with are more concerned about losing half of their money versus doubling their money. 
And that applies from an investment standpoint, but that also applies from an insurance standpoint, how they own assets. So we focus on that in Q2. Uh, in Q3, we look at succession planning, so estate planning, really another risk management piece that's been in the news quite a bit this week with with uh, the bills going through Congress or not going through Congress, depending on the day. Um, so we work with families to do family meetings to make sure their beneficiaries are in order, to make sure that their estate plan is on track to pass assets as they wish and to minimize estate tax. And then finally, in Q4, which is the quarter we're in today, it's about keeping money from the government. So we look at uh, tax consequences of decisions that clients make. And really what we're trying to do in the tax quarter is create the lowest average long-term tax rate uh, for clients. So in some years that may mean taking more uh, because future cash flows will be higher. So you create a, a lower average tax rate. And then other years it could make sense to um, defer um, so we look at things like Roth conversions. We look at things like uh, different different write-offs that they can take. We look at things like 1031 exchanges as planning techniques to potentially assist clients in alleviating the tax bite. And I think today, probably more than, than I could remember in, in recent memory, is these things are moving, like you just said. It's so volatile right now. The thing's coming out of Washington. I mean, we're talking about regulatory overload. It, it's just every day there's a new thing coming and a new strategy that seems so, um, I don't know, maybe ill-conceived or they just, <laughs> they're just draw, throwing darts maybe at a board. But right now, part of the conversation is how do we know what to do with our cap gains next year? How do we know unless we're having these conversations with this moving target so take me through what you'd be doing right now. If, if, if I was your client and, you know, I, I hadn't worked with you yet for a whole year, I started with you in, in Q2. So you started the conversation with my risk management and you, you got to know that I'm, I'm, you know, conservative, I'm nervous, et cetera, et cetera. What am I doing today? Are you getting into who's filing my taxes? Tell me what you would be doing in my first meeting with you under this Q4 tax plan uh, annual analysis. Tell me what I'd be doing with you. So we actually have uh, CPAs on staff. Um, what we do in step one is we're going to take your last three years tax returns and we're going to review those and look for opportunities to uh, maybe correct some things that have happened or look for opportunities to uh, reduce future tax exposure. So that's where we start. We use a planning system. We load this data in there um, to look for every opportunity to help. So it starts with the review of your last three years. Um, then we look forward. We look at future cash flow needs um, and we look at uh, where uh, tax rates could go, where they are today and where they could go. And then we create a plan again uh, based on future tax or future income needs, future cash flow needs to build a strategy so we can create as low of an average tax rate as possible as we look forward. So. Again, it starts with the review of previous returns. Then we plug numbers into our system to work with the family to try to determine ways to increase cash flow or maintain cash flow, yet at the same time um, create as low of an average tax rate as possible. So this is something that they would kind of almost like use a second opinion, I guess, right? So if I've got somebody that's doing my taxes right now, um, under the guise that you're my financial advisor, I'm actually getting a second opinion. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and but beyond that, uh, many of our clients 
Um, in fact, we encourage our clients to incorporate their current uh, CPA into the process. In our view, clients are best served when there's a system of checks and balances. So this is something that's really important to the way we approach business. If everybody's looking in the same direction and agreeing, um, sometimes uh, issues are overlooked and that can put a family in harm's way. What we like is to create an environment of collaboration. Sometimes we call it uh, constructive conflict where oh, like we debate outcomes with their existing provider. And if their existing provider is right and we debated that outcome, well, that position strengthened and the family is protected. So in an ideal situation, we are working with existing providers to build a stronger or, or a higher probability of stronger outcomes for the client. So we not only are open to, but we look for the opportunity to incorporate the client's existing CPA and tax attorney into our process. We talk often about a client's independent board of directors um, to protect that family and maintain continuity um, so that they're so served not only now, but for years to come. It's a great, it's a great service. Now, uh, listeners are probably saying, oh boy, this sounds like it costs a lot of money. Is this part of what would be included in a, in a service fee that that's uh, collected by advisors? Do you guys do separate billing on this? How does that normally work? Our typical client, uh, we provide this service as part of their investment management fee. So if you go to a uh, typical, you know, wirehouse firm, you're going to be paying the same that you're paying us, um, but you don't have these additional services at those firms. One of the great things about being an RIA is we're able to um, customize our approach um, so that we're really addressing client needs and we're not beholding to you know the corporate infrastructure. So bottom line is we're able to provide the quads this ongoing service um, at the same price that you'd be paying for a typical wirehouse. And, and that's one of the things that I, I, I get all the time. Matter of fact, I just had the question just before I came into the studio. I had a gentleman who likes everything we were talking about, and he's like, hey, I got to know, how do you guys get paid? It seems to be the question, and what I've started saying is, you're not the commodity, your money's the commodity. The money is making someone money all the time. It's sometimes just a matter of how that, that pie is being cut up and who's getting it, and in, in his example because I know he has an advisor that he's got a relationship with. I, I was like, hey, you know what? I've, I know I've got three doctors right now in my life. How many do you have? And and he he knew exactly where I was going to go with that and that he's got one guy now that's kind of pulling all the strings. And I think he made a couple bad moves, That's and that's common, right? Those are also opinions that, that might not necessarily be accurate or, or correct, but there are my opinions that he might have made a couple bad moves already. But at the end of the day, this this concept of having all these services provided as part of what you're you're already paying for, if you're not getting them, you know, back to Janet Jackson, you know, what have you done for me lately? So I would actually get a call from you. And again, when I say you, I'm, I'm just including your entire network of advisors that, that are following your lead. I would be expecting in Q1 that we're going to be talking about what I need for money this coming year, right? So we're getting close to an end yep. of a year. So you're going to, you'd be talking if you're my guy, I'd say, so Michael, you know, I, I got some ideas this year. I, I, I want to do a big trip. I want to do a, uh, I want to take my family down to the Outer Banks and I want to rent a beach monster for a week. It's going to cost me 15 grand. 
Is that something that you'd say, okay, well, let's figure out how we do that. Let's figure out where that's going to come from. Is that part of cash flow and income? Yeah, absolutely. Look, our our view is, you know, and we've seen this, the numbers um, in a number of places, but the typical retiree has more money than the average small business, a lot more money. So we approach uh, each relationship as its own business. So we're going to update balance sheet. We're going to update an income statement for the family. We're going to update long-term cash flow planning. And as part of that would be expenditures, not only this year, but many years to come. Um, so yes, absolutely, we're going to do that cash flow planning, um, but it also entails updating their balance sheet and income statement and looking at the costs they're paying for debt and see if there's a way that we can reach out and reduce the cost of debt um, or uh, potentially uh, eliminate debt because of additional cash flow that they have. So it's it's much deeper again than than we see most of our competitors. Um, going from a, a, a business planning standpoint, because that's really what we're doing for our customers. Um, we're getting their finances together as if they're a, a business. Um, and then we're going to look for ways, one, to provide cash flow for future needs, uh, but also to reduce outflows as well um, because they have such a great balance sheet. Such a powerful thing, Pat. When you think about Deserve Magazine, this is this is what we're doing, right? We're we're aspirational planners. We want retirees to get out and do things. We should be <clears throat> featuring this kind of expectation, right? Again, we have people that don't know that this is what they should expect for their service, right? This is what my money should be doing. It should be coming with this kind of advice. Now, we, how do you get people to, to actually spend? I know a lot of retirees like to hoard and keep and they fear spending money. Uh, how, how do you how do you show somebody that you can take these retirement trips and these dream trips? You know, it's really been interesting the last 24 months with COVID. Mm. More often than not, we are pushing clients to spend money because really people have been hoarding money due to fear and also right. their inability to take trips, right? Um, so the big catalyst the last, uh, 2020 and then this year, has been tax planning. Like, look, you know, you normally you plan on spending 120 a year, you're at 60 and then we go through tax projections and say, it makes a lot of sense for you to, to go ahead and push some money out. So you create a lower long-term average tax rate. Um, and then you look, you apply also what future RMDs will be if they don't start pulling money out. Um, so we always say buy, sell, hold, buy, sell, hold in that discussion, meaning take some money out and buy some stuff. Um, if um, if you don't want to do that, um, go ahead and roll it to do a Roth conversion and move some money over, um, and then you can grow it, right? Or if you hold, here's your future future tax uh, bill if you don't do it now. So that really has been the driver of the last 24 months. It's been, gosh, if you don't take this out now, you're going to end up paying a lot more in taxes down the road. So you might as well go ahead and advance those distributions for a typical you know, corporate retiree. Um, the other thing we've looked at quite a bit for our, our ultra high net worth customers is, is a lot of gifting strategies as well. Um, if Again, if they're not going to spend it, we really encourage them. Again, it's, it's, a, it's a complex system, right? A wealthy person's portfolio. And that's why we're so adamant about the quads, covering income, risk management, succession planning and, and tax is that, you know, each piece fits together. So 
One, I've talked quite a bit about tax. It's obviously imperative for your typical corporate retiree, but for your ultra high net worth clients, which we have a large number, um, kind of the core of what we do, um, if they're not going to spend it, we really encourage that they look at gifting strategies to reduce future estate tax issues. And then also to channel their funds towards, you know, their long-term aspirations and long-term goals for their families. Um, so it, it's a blend, but lately it's been more driven towards estate planning and tax. Now we've really talked quite a bit about booking that trip once you get your booster shot, because you don't know how long <laughs> this window will be open. Right. Um, so that's been a, a fun conversation to have, but it has been a, a big conversation. It does. Trying it ties to really so, get people to get out and spend it, money. It ties perfectly with what we do here, right? So we're, our whole thing, Michael, is to try to help baby boomers understand that you, retirement is such a short window in the timeline of life. And it, it doesn't give you a mulligan. You know, it's not like, a, you know, hey, when I was 20, I lost money and I made it back. When you lose 20 years in your retirement, you're done. You you don't get them back. So having having this kind of attention to to finance, I think what it ha- what it does for people, it, it gives them confidence to have the conversation where without confidence, you don't have the conversation. So husband doesn't talk to wife. Plans aren't made. Husband's always great, you know, grumpy. No, we don't have the money to do that. And and that's kind of what the, uh, you know, the evolution of retirement has turned into with fear. What we're talking about here is empowering people, not just through aspirational like we do here at Deserve, but through planning and, and getting that service out of your advisor yeah. and knowing, hey, I can do this. Hey, honey, look at this. We can spend 20 grand this fall. And, and he, the interesting thing that Michael said is that it, it breaks all of our normal ideas of save, 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 and save, And you'll save. spend it if it's coming from somebody you trust, like you're a trusted advisor, just saying, you know, you guys can spend this money. I mean, I think you, you make that move and do it. I think it'll change relationships out <laughs> yeah. there. And I see it all the time. I, I You know, I'm fortunate enough because we do Zoom calls. And every once in a while, you know, you've got the... The, the CFO, which I usually say is the wife, she's sitting in the back of the room and she's actually I call them half faces because they only come into the Zoom call half face. It's, it's kind of funny. Every now and then they lean a little well, more. Well, the conversation <laughs> talks about like moving money and shifting money. Yeah, oh, well, it comes the other part of the face. But what I found is that it creates a conversation in a household. And if you're out there and you don't have this conversation with your spouse and it is a point of frustration where, you know, the, it becomes more of a battle by the way, Michael, what did you call it before? Com- conflict? I loved it. I, I want to patent that or, or put it on a T-shirt. Constructive conflict. I'm going to get a T-shirt that says constructive conflict. <laughs> I think they'll sell like hotcakes around here. Um, I, I love it. It's, it's my I love the whole term. buy, sell, hold policy that you guys have. I thought that was really interesting. Well, there's so that so I love Q1, love Q4. Risk management, I think that's got everybody just confused. What I've found, and again, I feel like I've got a good finger on the pulse of the baby mover market. I get to talk to a lot of people and boy, the level of fear right now that mm. I am, that I am getting from people is not like I've ever seen before. Are you starting to get that from your clients? Are they starting to question the idea? Hey, do I really belong here now? And how are you helping them guide on risk management? How, how are you handling that, Michael? Well, there's, there's multiple layers to risk management. Again, we work with a number of, of ultra high net worth clients. So structure is really important. And we bring their attorney in to work on how they own assets. 
So separate property through businesses, et cetera. So that's, that's the ownership piece. Two, uh, we partnered with a couple of uh, uh, PNC firms. So we're reviewing everything from their umbrella to their auto to aviation to farm and ranch each year to make sure that if something were to occur, um, that they have adequate coverage in place. So we, we help shop that for them every year. And, and we're not getting paid as an insurance agent. We're doing it as a consultant to assist them um, just to know, know where their exposures are. We think that's really, really important. Sounds like you're uh, expanding on, a, for, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to make a point that it sounds like you're expanding on what the fiduciary is, right? So obviously the Fisher advisors are pushing fiduciary, fiduciary, fiduciary. It sounds like you're going beyond fiduciary. Is that fair to say that you guys are actually pushing the envelope beyond what the, you know, quote unquote fiduciary responsibilities would be? Well, a fiduciary, um, it's, unfortunately, a fiduciary, fiduciary has become a, a, a commission term or a term, a term referring to payments. In our view, fiduciaries putting the client's needs in front of our own, our own, and and serving them at the highest level possible. All we're doing, we're serving in our view as a fiduciary, but what we're doing is we're expanding um, our services to protect or assist the clients in areas that other advisors typically just don't venture into. And again, we don't do this to get uh, commissions per se on property and casualty. Uh, we do it so the clients are aware of their exposures, and we present that to them to help them know, um, you know, where where gaps are, um, so that they're protected if an event were to occur. Um, it's it's an area that we see is really overlooked until something bad happens. So we use our planning system to publish that or present that to the clients each year so they know what the exposures are and what the costs would be if an event were to occur. So what, I hate to go into the fiduciary definition on that. It's it's really more driven to me. It's about serving as a family CEO, CFO, serving the clients um, in all areas of financial matters and a very important area of risk management or of, of uh, finances of a business per se is risk management. And we found that to be an area to really uh, assist clients in an area that frankly has been a blind spot for them. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're very appreciative of that. Yeah, especially so after I hate to go into, into that whole fiduciary realm. It's just good service in our view. Yeah. And that's a great way to put it because it's being, in my opinion, the term is being overused to, to try to, you know, separate levels of what people do. You know, if you're talking to an insurance only type of a person, it doesn't mean that they don't have a fiduciary to do what's right. So there's a moral fiduciary. Now there's this new quasi law fiduciary, apparently, that uh, is kind of being overly used and, and uh, divisive is, is how I see it being used out there. So uh, great on the risk management. So we got cash flow, the estate planning, um, we've been looking at the Roth conversions. Now, obviously, you know, we're doing a real big push on the Roth conversions as an organization. Our, our webinars are doing fantastic. Um, I've been talking to different advisors and I wanted to get your opinion on the idea of how these Roth conversions. So I've got a gentleman now, a couple million bucks in his IRA. The, the recommendation from his CPA, who not his CPA, but one that we connected him with was to do about seven, eight hundred thousand dollars and we've identified these monies as never monies. Like they don't need the money. 
in your opinion, is a Roth a, a, a better way to transfer wealth to a family member, you know, a child or children? Is is that part of what you would be recommending in the estate planning side if, if you have uh, monies that are going to pass? Is that something that you guys talk about? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, if, if someone inherits money through a Roth, it's more beneficial to the beneficiary than inherit through an IRA, obviously, because they pull it out of an IRA, they're going to pay income tax to get the money out uh, versus Roth, they'll get the money out tax free. Um, so that's obvious. And then, you know, each question or each situation is unique to the family and their overall planning and strategies. But at the most basic level, absolutely. If, if uh, my parent were to pass a Roth to me versus a traditional IRA, I would prefer the Roth. And I, I think the, uh, the writing's on the wall. You know, we've, we've got a need in the government. I'm not even going to politicize it and put it on either side of the aisle. But we have a country that's going to be in constant demand for more revenue to, you know, keep feeding the engine that it's created here. Um, clearly, a need for taxation will be coming, uh, you know, opinion based. I think that the, you know, we used to be able to stretch an IRA out. I know that was one of Obama's targets and it didn't get done until uh, the SECURE Act got kind of threw it in there as a little pork. You know, they, they, they pulled that off to fund the government during Trump. But I'm concerned, and I just want as an opinion, not as a professional uh, recommendation, do you think it's potentially possible that this 10-year window to stretch an IRA could be reduced further or even eliminated? What, what do you think on a on a uh, opinion basis only? <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because uh, we had a number of assumptions uh, when this, this debate started on Capitol Hill about how um, tax would be changed and, and how the budget would change. And um, they've had a really hard time getting anything passed. But yeah, absolutely. Anything that will increase revenue to the government um, is is going to be important, right, based on the deficits that have been created. Um, you have to assume any way that the government can accelerate payments or increase payments from a tax standpoint, they're going to pursue those because there's a lot of bills to pay. And we really haven't had this type of generation yet in America where, I mean, you think about the amount of, let's let's call them uh, first-time millionaires, right? We have families that came from very traditional uh, basic means, right, where the wealth that's been generated, the timing for the baby boomer and having their 401s funded heavily for 20-some-odd years and then getting this last eight-year bump has created a lot of first-time millionaires in, in a family. So we have to understand that that's got to become a target of the government, right? This is money that in large hasn't been taxed yet. There's this increasing need for revenue. And this is an unusual thing that's never happened in America before. We haven't had this type of transfer of wealth. Um, so I, I think it's fair to say that, yeah, this is probably going to be on the front lobes of all these megalomaniacs in Washington about where the revenues are going to come from. It's, it's going to be on the back of these baby boomers. You, do you agree? Yeah, Absolutely. It has to be. That's that's where the money is. It's the only money. You know, there's an old saying. Who was it? Uh, Willie Sutton, the bank robber. They said, hey, Willie, why do you rob banks? And his answer was, because that's where the money is. Well, you know, Michael, I, I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are because I work with you, and I, I know that uh, your time is usually incremented in 15-minute blocks. So I want to thank you for taking the amount of time that you gave us today and, and coming on the podcast and 
uh, given a little more exposure to you and Clint and the team. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to position some of these young advisors that are in our program to learn, be a part of what you do and, and the teachings and the, and the um, everything philosophically right down to actions and responsibility. I think it's something that we're really proud to uh, be associated with. So I, I want to thank you for taking the time today and uh, putting some good words out. Those of you listening, if you're interested in these conversations, uh, send me an email. I mean, I haven't done that. And in a lot of these podcasts, I've been getting tons of emails from webinars, but shoot me an email, shoot it to Brett, B-R-E-T-T at retirementarchitecture.com. And, uh, we have not only Michael, but we have the team. We have, uh, even those that are, that are able to get Michael on the phone and say, Hey, Michael, this is what I want to do here with my client. Um, so I, I want everyone to know that the depth of what we're bringing now as an organization is, is pretty deep. And, uh, the fact that you gave us this time, I, I do appreciate it, Michael. So thank you so much. And I'll, I'll let you get back to your busy day and then we'll wrap this show up. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. It's been fun. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Thanks Mike. So that's interesting. So it's, it's always good to know more, mm, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I thought the song, I know it was corny, right? What have you done? It just popped it's in my terrible. head. It's terrible. It's horrible. I'm, I'm ashamed of myself. I felt it was back in 1988. <laughs> terrible. For <laughs> my parachute But pants. you know what? It's the first thing that came to me because I'm thinking that when I hear everyone saying how, you know, oh, I, I can't possibly talk to someone else about my money. And then I can ask two or three questions and all of a sudden they're, they're like, you know, biting their lip a little bit saying, huh. I haven't heard that before, and I haven't. Well, what's he talking about? And mm. I, the, being an advisor is a tough gig. I remember being on the trading floor, and there was a saying that went around the trading floor: "You're only as good as your last trade." Mm. For your client, you're only as good. That's all they're going to remember. That's the right. last trade, you're not the one you did two years ago that you made them some money. The last one. Well, and I, you know, I know we all been trying to to not say you know doomsday is approaching. Um, chart. People are starting to wonder when do the, the when do the charts start telling us to get concerned. Obviously, you know the the interesting thing I hear with people is when the market had their little hiccups in the recent days. People get angry, mm. but they don't realize when they look at the trail behind them how many days they can get things wrong before they actually have lost anything. And for those of you that that still equate your current statement with what you have, that's not how it works. It's not yours until you claim it. And, and these are things we have to know. But uh, some really cool things. I, I've, uh, I like where we're going. We've, we've expanded a little bit about the, the conversation. We're not just talking about you got to have safe money and this is where you need to put it. I like that we're going wider with this. Uh, I think it was a good decision as far as the company goes. I, I like the depth that it's bringing. I'm finding it fascinating. I'm learning so much from some brilliant, brilliant people that like the fact that we talk to uh, 30, 40, 50,000 baby boomers, which is kind of a cool thing. It's a great position to be in. Yeah. So I think we ought to take and put something together on this. Maybe we can get Michael and Clint and the whole, you know, upper management team to put together maybe a, a little spread in, in one of the magazines, especially as the quadrants go, maybe we'll feature a quadrant in each of the issues coming out in 2022 and make this the level. Like I, I like what he said when it came to the fiduciary, but I like the idea that he also said without saying the word is they're raising the bar, right? So you can have somebody who's a fiduciary and they are doing what's right for the client, but then there's raising the bar. And I think we should, I think we should be helping people know how high that bar should be raised. And that 
is what we can use this microphone for is to set that expectation. What have you done for me lately? Ask yourself that question. How deep have you gone with your advisor in the last year, two years, three years? Are you prepared for a 30, 40% drop in the market? What do you do? How are you prepared for higher taxes in the future? What about your children? Is it really going to make you feel good when, when you're, you know, when you're laying in that final position <laughs> and you're trying to make peace with the world? Are you going to be happy if you're thinking, boy, Uncle Sam is about to fleece my kids and everything I work so hard for? The only way to do it is get ahead of it. You got to get ahead of it. You got to it, plan. It's a good question. All what have you plans. done for me lately? But let's leave the music out of it. All right. Man. Oh, no. I think we finished with a okay. good. I think we just oh, finished God. out with all Janet. Right. Let's jam with a little Janet. What have you done for all me right. lately? I'm leaving. Hey, great podcast, guys. I loved it. Michael's a great, great guest. Uh, maybe we'll have to get him back. But let's think about some expanding on this quadrant concept. I loved it. Thanks, guys. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Get tax smart. And get to that RothWebinar.com. Make sure you attend the next couple webinars. We have some good ones coming up. So uh, I'm Brett Sasso. That Charles, thank you. Anthony. Oh, God, here it comes. Okay, I'm out. Here comes (laughs) Miss Jackson. Hey, this is Pat Charles Avanella, Managing Editor of Deserve Magazine. Thanks again for listening and make sure you subscribe to Deserve Podcast and go visit DeserveMagazine.com.